we've talked about mustard seed faith uh, many times. I'm sure Pastor Goodluck's taught on it. And uh, so it's a familiar subject matter. Maybe it may not be to some of us, but I want to, uh, first of all, begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message. Father God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We ask that the Holy Spirit would guide and lead us during this message. God, begin to open our spiritual ears, open our spiritual eyes, help us to see Jesus by way of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, I had another message that I was working on, and then God told me, uh, before you transition to that message, I want you to teach a little bit on mustard seed faith. And uh, chapter 17, verse 14 through 20, we, you don't have to go there right now, but Jesus talked about mustard seed faith. And, he, and, he, and God gave me a definition of it that uh, kind of uh, lines up with something that we've been talking about in terms of biblical authority. And this is what he told me. He said, mustard seed faith is a belief that God gave man authority in the earth and that God stands in back of his word in delegating his authority to and through man. I'm going to read that again. I want that to sink in. Mustard seed faith is a belief that God gave man authority in the earth and that God stands in back of his word in delegating his authority to and through man. That's what mustard seed faith is. It's a simple faith of believing that God meant what he said in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26. When he told man, I'm giving you dominion over all the earth. And Jesus was saying that that, mustard, that type of faith is simple, but it's very, very powerful. And it's very small when you think about it, but it is the foundation of all other faith in the Word of God. Because that was man's first assignment, to dominate the earth for God's kingdom glory. Amen? I said amen? That's our portion in this season. That's what God is trying to get us to uh, in terms of a, a revelation of his willingness to live and operate through the church in divine power. Jesus, of course, is our example. He's always our example. When we see Jesus operating in the earth as a man, yet fully God, we see God's will for mankind operating in the earth through power, of the Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to go to John chapter 14 and I'm going to kind of go through some scriptures, kind of lay a foundation in terms of these things are definitely ours in terms of operating in this type of a power and authority, but there is a prerequisite to that and that is uh, we have to live in humility. That's, that's, that's the key word, humility. 
God does not give his power or he does not release that type of power to people who are walking around with a swole head or a big head. They think it's all about them. So let's look here at John chapter 14, verse 10. This is Jesus talking. He says, Believeth thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Jesus says, the Father in me points to the Father. The Father does the works. Jesus gave all the glory to the Father at all times. Let that sink in. He gave all the glory to the Father at all times. Somebody say humility. Somebody say humility again. See, humility is the key to operating in this, kind of, this type of faith. All the glory, all the praise, all the honor belongs only to God. Okay? If we don't have that as a basis or a foundational attitude, God cannot release this supernatural power to us the way he wants to. Because God has said one thing, that he'll share his glory with no one. He'll share everything else, but he will not share his glory with anybody. Okay? When we recognize and understand that, that is when God will begin to release this supernatural power, the same power that Jesus walked in, we will walk in. No doubt about it. It's going to happen. Somebody's going to walk in this kind of grace. It might as well be you. Amen. Because the Lord said it's possible. Now, giving God the glory is the most essential thing. And like I said, don't ever forget that. You know, as we lay this foundation, don't ever forget that. There can be no release of covenant authority without humility before God. Now let's look at verse 11. Jesus still talking. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. How many of y'all believe in Jesus? Got nothing but believers in here, right? Our faith is in him. He's our Lord and Savior. We've been bought by his blood. Now, he says something very interesting about believers in verse 12. He says, verily, verily, or truly, truly, he, he brings home that point. This is true. I say unto you, now who's talking? Jesus. This is the head of the church. This is the son of the living God. He says, Verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Now I want that to sink in. The works that I do, shall he do also. And the Bible says, greater works shall he do 
because I go unto the Father, because I'm now enthroned at the right hand of God. Okay? So this is the head of the church giving us the A-OK to, work, to do the works that he has done. And he says, even greater works shall you do. So the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works shall you do, because I go unto the Father. Now think about this. This type of lifestyle to the natural mind, it'll probably reject it. But Jesus said this type of lifestyle is possible for you and for I. And somebody said, well, it's probably just for the preachers. It's just for the ones who stand up here on the stage or whatever, that we call, you know, super spiritual or whatever, which is not a good way to think. But I'm reminded of this guy in the Bible named uh, Stephen. Stephen was not an apostle. I don't even think he was a preacher. Matter of fact, he, was, he, he waited tables. Amen. He waited tables in the church. The apostles got real, real busy, and they said, man, we don't have time to be waiting on tables. We got, we're going to give ourselves a prayer and the word. And they laid their hands on some guys, and Stephen was one of them. And when they laid their hands on him, the power of God came upon him. And he, the Bible says he operated in signs and wonders and miracles. And what he was was a person who waited on tables in the church. And that, that kind of let me think about something, too. Back in the early church, you had to be anointed for all the work. <laughs> to wait on tables, you had to be anointed by the Holy Ghost. To, to, to do whatever God had to do in the church. You had to be anointed to run the, the camera. Amen? The boot, the sound booth back there. Everybody had to be anointed. Amen? It's everything that was going, going on in the early church, people had the anointing of the Holy Ghost on them to do it. And so Stephen, like I say, he is an example of part of the body of Christ, not a preacher, or so to speak, but he was just somebody in the church, a believer, that operated in the power of God. Now, uh, I've heard this uh, from some people that say, well, the signs, the wonders, and miracles left the church when the last apostle died. Have you ever heard that lie? That's a lot of pit of hell. The power of God, the Holy Ghost is still here in the church. He's the one that does the works, the miracles, the signs, and wonders. He's here. Amen? So what God, God wants us to do is develop this mindset that if God says something is possible, then it's possible. And he can work through any one of us if we're yielded to him and if we walk in the divine humility of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, as we go forward, let's keep that in mind. That these things are truly possible for us. All it takes is a mustard seed type of faith. And that mustard seed type of faith is certainly available through the word of God. Now, let's look at verse 
14 of, of chapter 17. Jesus said, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, my bad. I'm in the wrong chapter. Matthew. I need to go to Matthew 17. I'm reading John. I was just trying to see if y'all was paying attention. Verse 14 of chapter 17, Matthew. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and often to the water. Verse 16, and I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. I brought him to your disciples, or your students, and they couldn't help him. So this is the situation. This man brings his son, who is obviously being tormented by the devil, and he's looking for some deliverance. And he brings them to Jesus' disciples, and they don't have any, any uh, victory in this situation. The Bible says they could not cure him. Then Jesus says here in verse 17, he answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. So think about what's happening here. The man comes to Jesus. He says they couldn't do anything for him. And I see Jesus turning to his students or his disciples. And he says some things to them. He calls them faithless. And he calls them perverse. Now. That word faithless is an interesting word that he would use such strong language toward them. That word faithless means not true to allegiance or duty, not to be relied on and untrustworthy. So that's what he was telling his students, his disciples, because they were not able to do this work for this man or help this man. Now, that word perverse is defined a showing, showing a deliberate or abstinent desire to behave in a way that is unreasonable or unacceptable. I'm going to read that again. Showing a deliberate and obstinate desire to behave in a way that is unreasonable or, accept, or unacceptable. In other words... They got a stubborn spirit. That's what he's saying to his disciples. Jesus calls them untrustworthy and stubborn. Now, the reason he was so hard on them is because they had a responsibility and they failed God in their assignment. 
in that instance. And he was not happy about it because he knew that they had within them the ability to do it because he had taught them. Amen? Now, let's look at verse 18. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the Bible says, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? So they were interested. They wanted to know why they could not cast him out. Why couldn't we do it? Jesus is very upfront with them. He says unto them, it's because of your unbelief. Simple as that. Because you don't believe. Because you, you did not believe the word of God. Now, Jesus operated in that type of a power because he had a belief system. He believed what God told Adam in the garden, that he had authority in the earth, he believed it, and so he operated in that type of faith. Now, I want us to see something. Genesis 1 and 26. Let's go back there right quick. I want us to take a peek at that. Because this is where mustard seed faith has its foundation. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have man have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. That right there is what you call mustard seed faith. That is, that's what we base our faith on in terms of us operating in this type of a power. Jesus was readily, uh, had a, he had a mindset of that. He thought about that all the time. He knew that that was his portion. So when he was faced with uh, someone in bondage, someone who needed to be set free, he knew he had the authority and that God would back him up every single time. That's why he was able to operate in that kind of faith. Now, let's go back to uh, Matthew 17. Why do I want to do that? Yeah, Matthew chapter 17. I I want to read that whole verse again. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, Genesis 1 and 26 through 28, 28, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, if you have an understanding of that particular verse of Scripture, he said you can say to this mountain, you'll speak to this mountain. And that mountain will obey you because that mountain is designed to obey the man or woman who is walking by this kind of faith. Has no choice in the matter. Whatever you speak to has to obey the person who has faith like that. 
Now, give you an example. A lot of times, you know, we got these temporal bodies, and they, you know, give us trouble from time to time. Amen? But this is what God showed me. He said, son, if you will, when you, when you first start having some trouble in your body, immediately address it. Don't play around with it. If you got a pain somewhere and it just kind of shows up out of nowhere, don't play around with that thing. Speak to it. Speak, immediately speak to it. Use your God-given authority in Jesus' name and that thing will start, it'll, it'll obey you. Don't let it linger before you address it. It's designed to obey you because you have the authority over it. Say you got a bad foot or a bad knee or whatever. When you get that, a pain, and this is what some I had trouble with my knee. I noticed it. I was walking and I felt it. And I was like, uh oh, this ain't my portion. And I just, I, immediately, because I remember what God said, He said, speak to it. Don't play with it. Speak to it. And I did. I, I spoke to it. I said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And guess what? It went away. Now, had I babied it and just said, well, you know, that's just how it is, guess what? It would have got worse and worse. Somebody said, well, that just worked because you're a preacher. No, it worked because I believe this word. Amen. So, so when you first get something going on in your body, and I'm just using your body as an example, when you first get something going on in your body, don't hesitate to use your authority. Immediately speak to it. You start getting a sniffle, speak to it. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, no, that's not my portion. By his stripes I'm here. I've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Christ being made a curse for me. Amen. This is how, this is how these things work. See, and like I say, the, the church has to get back to operating like this. All these last three weeks we were talking about we're new creatures in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is what we've been talking about. This is, this is biblical Christianity. Amen. Believing what the Bible says about us in Christ and then operating it in faith. And not being intimidated by what we see, feel, or, 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 feel, or see. Not being intimidated by those things. This will help you. This will help you when, like I say, what the enemy will do is he'll test us. You'll hear a message like this, and then he'll come immediately to see if you really believe it. Yeah. You'll be at home tonight and you'll start getting some symptoms in your body. And if you act on what God is telling you tonight, you'll see the power of God released. That, that's how this works. But if we, if we kind of just are kind of... I don't like to use this word, but lazy about it, it won't work for us. And we'll wonder why the enemy was able to get that, establish that ground. It's because we didn't act on the word. Jesus said, for barely I say, because of your unbelief, for barely I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto that mountain, that pain, that situation, be thou removed, to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible 
unto you. This is truly our portion. And, and God wants us to walk in the supernatural in these last days. He really does. Every last one of us. He wants us to walk in the supernatural because this is our portion. Okay? And, and this is how these things are, are uh, established as we begin to meditate on this. Now, ask that question, why was Jesus so stern with his disciples? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Number one, they had been walking with him. But also, it was because these scriptures were their portion in, as a covenant right. These promises were theirs as a covenant right. Chapter 2, verse 12. Now he's talking to uh, believers, and he's talking to Gentile believers here, but he's going to be referring to Israel a, a little bit here. He says that at that time, you were without Christ. Talking about before you got born again. They were without Christ. They were without the anointing. They were without the power of God. That's what every person is who's an unbeliever. They don't have the anointing. But the Bible says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So the reason he was so stern with his disciples was because these promises were the commonwealth of Israel. Israel should have been walking in this all the time. This was their portion. They had the covenants. They had Moses. They had all the promises of, of the covenant. And they were not experiencing none of that. When Jesus showed up on the earth, Israel was in bondage. They were sick. They were broke. They, had, they were not experiencing any of the blessings of the covenant. And it was still God's will for them to do so. And so when he told uh, his disciples, you're perverse, it was because they had access to these promises and were not acting on them. So it's important that we recognize that these things are truly ours. Israel had been given the covenants of promise. If anybody should have known about biblical authority, it was them. And they should have been operating in it. And he's saying to us tonight, these promises in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, the church, he wants us to begin to embrace these things in our generation because he's soon to come back. And what's going to cause the world to want to come to, to him is the church. Because we're walking in an authority and a power that they've never understood or seen. So much of the church, we're just like them. We complain like they do. We live under, uh, beneath our pro the promises like they do. But what God is trying to do is he's trying to instill into us a divine understanding of truly who we are in Christ and what the resurrection power of God has given to us. Amen. So the covenants of promise, the commonwealth of Israel was theirs, and they did not live in it. They did not operate in it. They were living just like the Gentiles were. 
And that's what upset Jesus so much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Going back to the initial scripture that you gave, mm-hmm. one of the things that I think God has laid on the pastor and your heart, something you've been mentioning as well, God is going to start bringing those individuals in. Mm-hmm. Did that man take his son to the disciples mm-hmm. because supposedly mm-hmm. they were linked up with Jesus and they should have been able to do the things that, that everybody was seeing Jesus mm-hmm. do? Point them to Jesus. Because they're coming to us because mm. they should see something different in us. You have been with the master. Mm. They can tell. Say, hey, the way they speak, the way they live, the way they love, mm. is because they have been with the master. That's it, brother. That's it. That's it. That's it. Unless you're, it's, 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 we have spent so much time with our master that we look just like him. We operate just like him. The power of God is real, and uh, it's not a fairy tale. It's not a fable. They should be able to bring the, 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 the demon-possessed, the bound, the broken to us. Amen. And for us to truly walk in him, mm. do the things that he did, because he's at the right end of the path <laughs> in intercession for us. Amen. And, Amen. And, and then in that, and tell them, hey, now it's your turn. Mm. Amen. 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 That's, that's good preaching right there. <laughs> Amen. That, that, that's what it's all about. It, it's about us experiencing the power of God for his kingdom glory and the deliverance of this bound up world. You know? And, and that's all God's trying to do. He's trying to get us to that place where we actually believe these things. And, when they, and they're coming in. They're coming in. I got a, I got a young man that uh, we hired on my job uh, just recently who's struggling with bipolar syndrome. And uh, he's been, I've been ministering to him on the job, praying with him. And uh, I really believe that God's going to set that young man free. Um I, I thank God that, because uh, I've been trying to get away from that job, to be honest with you. I really have. But it's a reason God wants me there. It's for people like that. And this brother got a real serious uh, situation, but I want him to get born again first. I've been ministering to him on, along that level, and uh, I pray that uh, God will touch Mr. Rodriguez and, 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 and bring him to that place of salvation. And deliverance. Amen? And this is what it's all about. Um, let's go to Luke chapter 7 with the time that we got left. Luke chapter 7. Thank you, Brother Mike. That's certainly... I love Bible study. I really do. And that's what Bible study is all about. Now this is a, I love teaching on this, and I'm sure a lot of y'all are familiar with these verses of Scripture, but this is foundational in terms of um, operating in divine authority 
Luke 7, verse 1. Now, when he had ended, talking about Jesus had ended his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he had heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. So the Jews were asked by the centurion to talk to Jesus for them, for him. The Bible says, In verse 4, and when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he had built us a synagogue. So he had lined himself up for a blessing. Anytime you bless Israel, you open yourself up for a blessing. That's what God told Abraham. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. So that's why they said he was worthy that you should do this for him. He loves our nation, and he had built us a synagogue. He had invested in our, our, our work. Verse 6, when G- then Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I'm not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come to you, But say in a word, (laughs) just speak the word, and my servant shall be healed. Then Then he says this, and this is what impressed Jesus. For I also am a man set under authority. So he recognized that Jesus was operating on a set authority. He recognized that God was the one in back of Jesus' words. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say to one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. And he turned about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you that I have not found so great a faith, no, not in all of Israel. So, The centurion's understanding of authority impressed Jesus. The Bible says he he marveled at this guy. And he turned about to the disciples and all the other Jews who were with him. He says, I have never seen this kind of faith, not in all of Israel. Now, that was an awesome statement. Think about what he's saying here. He says, and this is God in the flesh talking, okay? This is the eternal God who has been dealing with Israel since Abraham. He says, I have not seen this kind of faith, not even in Abraham. Abraham didn't have this kind of understanding about biblical authority. He says, nobody has understood biblical authority like this Gentile has. Nobody in the whole nation of Israel has really truly grasped the reality of it. That when you speak a word... Things have to obey you. Everything under you has to obey you because you've been placed and been given delegated authority over that. Now the church needs to get a hold of that because like I said, when we, are in, when we encounter bondage of any kind, we have the authority in Jesus' name to call that thing uh, bound up and cast away. 
We have the authority to overcome it every single time in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I've never seen this kind of understanding in the whole nation of Israel. This is where God wants us to be. He wants us not to be ever again intimidated by anything that the devil brings our way. Because in this earth, the church has the God-given authority to overcome it. That's our portion. Now, whether or not we walk in it or not, that's another thing. But God is telling us and he's reminding us tonight that this is going forward. This is how he wants us to approach things. Not from a point of weakness, but a point of strength in him. With an understanding that this is truly the will of God for the church. So when they're coming in and they're coming in, all bound up, full of disease, full of the curse, we should not be intimidated by that. We should embrace it and use the God-given authority that we've been given. And all this is is mustard seed faith. it's, It's like it's a tiny bit of faith. It's just believing that these things are ours. Because Jesus said so. Amen? Stand to your feet tonight. Like I said, the Lord interrupted me. I was planning to teach on something else, but he told me, don't go forward until you talk talk about this. And so tonight, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the resurrection. And we thank you, Father God, that we are your inheritance. And that if you say that we can do a thing, that we can do a thing. If you say, Lord, that we can walk in this manner, that this is our portion, we will do it. I pray, Lord God, divine humility for your people tonight. That we will humble ourselves at the very foot of your throne and that as the signs and wonders and miracles start manifesting and they truly will that we will be a people of worship and of praise people oh God who give you all the glory all the praise all of the honor for every manifestation of your spirit And that, God, you will begin to use all of us to bring deliverance to the captives. Breathe upon your people, O God, a fresh wind of the Holy Ghost. A divine boldness birthed from your throne room. Remind us, O O God, who we are in Christ and what Jesus has done for us. And be glorified as you do so. In the matchless, mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. And we'll meet here uh, next Wednesday. Amen.